Welcome, Lee. It's so good to have you with us. I really appreciate the time you have taken to be on the podcast today, as I'm sure you have a tight schedule and some of the amazing work and important things you're doing. Um, as we begin, do you mind if we start with a brief introduction of yourself? Sure, yes. Yeah. So uh, thank you for having me. My name is Lee. I'm a second year student at University of Ottawa, majoring in political science and communications. I have had experience with multiple levels of government in Canada, ranging from federal, provincial, and municipal politics, as well as I've been involved with different political parties and in my school student as well. And I currently am writing a blog about um, my experience being a student and tips and resources for students and young professionals called Adulting on Budget. Perfect, thank you. So you have four years of experience working with various levels of the government, NGOs and charities. How did you land your first job or internship? Um, that is a good question. So it, it was based on my volunteer experience, actually. I volunteered um, for my local organization, the YMCA. I support young immigrants and refugees with language training and resources and workshops about Canadian culture for the past three years. And because of that, I was nominated to be on the board of advisory for the Immigration, Refugee and Citizenship Canada. So that was one of the earliest involvement that I had with the um, with the government of Canada. And apart from that, I had a few friends when I was in high school who are very involved in politics as well. And they really guide me towards um, politics. And they actually um, encouraged me to talk at events, sign up to volunteers at different political parties, go to hearings about um, different policies, and and eventually they encouraged me to organize different rallies about the issues that I care about. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why that I gained a lot of network and a lot of people that support me along the way. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, what is the most valuable thing you've learned with working such or- with such organizations? With working with immigrants and refugees at my local um, organization, I have to say, the most valuable experience is that when you listen to someone, make sure you have one-on-one individual time with each and every one of them because there are so many things that you can learn from them as an individual. Because when you see an, when you see a person, the first impression that you have might not be correct. For example, I see somebody with not that good English skills or they might be shy or they might be just new to Canada and they might just be confused with what's happening. But if you have that one-on-one conversation, you break down the barriers and there are so many things that they can teach you. And in turns, you learn so much more from them comparing to them learning from you. And that is how you grow as an individual. Right. So definitely listening and active listening is a key to really any career, whether this is where you want to go or anything else. Um, listening is the way to go. So um, Lee, you've organized events on campaigns that have held up to around 5,000 attendees. How did you do that? And what advice do you have for those teams who wish to organize such a big event, uh, whether it be big or small? Yes. So to give you some background information, the event that 
that we talked about was the March for Education, which happened in the summer of 2018. So for background information for people who are hearing this, in 2018, the government of Ontario scrapped the updated sex ed curriculum that we had and go back to our previous curriculum, which was the one in 1998, which did not teach students about consent, gay marriage, or cyberbullying. So that was a big step back. And with that said, a few friends of mine and I organized a rally in front of the Ontario legislature and demand the government to reverse that decision. And we came up with a hashtag on social media called hashtag March for Education. And it was basically a whirlwind of experience. Um, on the day of the rally, we have upwards of thousands of people um, who attended the rally and our hashtag um, March for Education was number two trending on Twitter Canada. And actually, a few months later, the government reversed that decision. So we would say that it was a big success. <laughs> yeah. And so many other student associations across Ontario followed our lead and actually organized their own rallies and um, school walkouts. So that was an amazing sight to see. Um, I would say that for someone who just wants to have um, an event or a rally that they want to pursue, um, whether it be big or small, the first advice would be reach out to organizations or unions that, um, that back up your belief. So for example, when it comes to student, reach out to teachers union or, or different organizations that deal with, um, or deal with students. And they would definitely agree with you and they would definitely do the promoting for you. And they might even have connections with news outlets that would really drive your movement forward. And the next step would be um, to secure a permit. Make sure that you have constant and concrete communication with the place that you will hold the rally with and the police service as well. Because the goal for a peaceful protest is that you maintain communication with everyone involved. And that is also to notify the people that you are rallying against that, hey, we're going to march in front of your building. So beware for us. Right, <laughs> we right. give you a heads up. <laughs> um, and apart from that, it really depends on your passion as well. So make sure that when you organize something, it is something that you're really passionate about and make sure that um, when you organize that event, if you are not among the population that directly affect from um, whatever the issue that you're protesting for, then make sure you give the microphone to people that actually need a voice. Right. So for example, if you are um, a non-Black person, and you help organize the Black Lives Matter movement, make sure that you are not the one that communicate with the news outlet, taking interviews and being at the front line. Make, um, make that space for people who need their voice to be heard. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're definitely seeing that right now with the, many, many people who are taking advantage of the sort of the heat that's here in America and around the world. Um, and so, yeah, for those teens who are listening, if you are getting involved in absolutely anything, please be passionate about, about what you're kind of um, ideally going towards. So, Lee, thank you so much for that. Uh, but could you tell us a little bit about adulting on budget and your work as a blogger for them? Yes. Um, so I created this Instagram page for tips and resources for students and young professionals. 
Um, that page was created in September 2019, and originally it was just my cooking blog. Right. <laughs> so I, so I just um, uploaded my recipes on affordable meal preps. I tried to maintain every um, every portion of the meals that I make yeah. under one dollar, and I upload the recipes onto my Instagram page. And I still have a lot of those recipes on my Adult Gun Budget mm-hmm. um, page at the moment. And after that, when COVID nineteen hit, I realized that I had a lot more to give, and students also need more. Right. Um, in terms of resources and financial tips. So I expanded my page into general tips and resources. And I have had um, mental health resources, financial tips, job search advice, organizational tips, and information about politics and advocacy in general. For example, how to be a good ally. And I am planning to to partner with different student organizations across Canada to just deliver free workshops, have free um, resume critique sessions to all students that I can support. Um, so that is my work with Adult on Budget at the moment. And I am very excited to expand the page further. Right. So if you want, <laughs> so if you want um, resume edits, or if you want to have any resources, and if you just need any job search tips from me or just general questions about event planning or advocacy, definitely reach out to me. All of my services are free. Um, I will link that down below in the show notes for sure for anyone who's interested. Um, I definitely think resources um, and advice for students is something that um, is really needed in times like these. And um, actually, um, I was on LinkedIn a few days ago and we were releasing sort of like a database. And you got so many people who really liked this and it was trending um, a, a few years ago. Can you tell us about why it's so important for students to have these resources? Definitely. Um, because there are so many different outlets and websites that provide students with resources, but students um, they might be they may be confused or they might be overwhelmed with the amount of information that they have. And some students they just don't have a lot of access in terms of internet or location for those resources and scholarships. What I do is that I compile everything that I have applied of the previous scholarships that I applied and I put off the necessary information for students to learn about. And that database rack up up to more than a, a hundred scholarships that I was able to find. Right. Um, when I shared that database, I did not have that much of a thought. I just, I just thought that many people might need this and since I graduated from high school and since um, I'm in a position where I don't need scholarships to finance my study anymore this might help someone right so I just I just share that and thankfully there are so many people that were interested in that and so many people actually a few years later after I um, released my first version of that scholarship database they actually messaged me and saying that because of you, I learned about this $100,000 scholarship and I actually worked towards it for the past couple of years and I actually want it. So you changed, you changed me. And 
it was very profound to just see that just a little action of posting one singular document can help somebody. And that is how I really just try to motivate myself to help more and more people each and every day because the change that I see in them is phenomenal. Right. So, um, yeah, definitely. And with so many people, like, you know, with the, uh, the college application coming, uh, the season coming up, there's a lot of competitiveness. What do you have mm-hmm. to say to these students in the very same class? And why do you think they should actually reach out together and support each other in this process, especially in times like the pandemic? It is definitely important to support each other because because one thing that we need to know is that when we all apply for one opportunity or one scholarship, um, it's, it is less about competition, but more about connection building. Because for example, if you help someone out to get a position that both of you are, are trying to get and they ended up having the position instead of you, don't think of it as oh, I lost this position because I helped them. So I have to be competitive. I have to only think of myself from now on. Think of it as that person would appreciate my support and my help. And they would definitely reach out to me or they would definitely support me if I ever need them in the future. Because when they get that opportunity and you don't, it means that they will have connections um, that are different from you. And whatever opportunity that you have, it will be different from them. So you will have two different streams of network and resources. And when you combine together, it will be twice as large comparing to both of you getting accepted to one scholarship or getting accepted to one job, right? So changing the mindset is definitely something that's really important. And it is and it's also very crucial to provide support for people, especially during this difficult time. Right. And that, that's actually really good um, advice for those who are listening. Um, and, and just like we said, you do get two streams of networks. It's, you get, it's a win-win situation. There's nothing to lose. You should always see it as a positive situation. So, Definitely. Right. So, Lee, I see that journalism is a livelihood and valuable uh, interpersonal skill for you and uh, much of your work. Um, same for me. I've done a lot of journalism as well. Do you think it's something everyone needs or just specific groups of people? Do you think it's uh, something for anyone? It is. Um, it is definitely an interesting question because I have had issues with irresponsible journalism and false reporting. As you can see, fake news is definitely one of the very common phrases lately. Um, So I would say that journalism might not be for everyone. It really depends on how you are aware of your biases and your personal opinion. Um, For example, if you only check um, news outlets that support one particular ideology, you will be biased towards that particular outlet and you might not be open towards different other resources or news publications. So the important thing about journalism is that you have to see from different point of views and definitely focus on the facts and the statistics, not the not the personal stories that might revoke your emotions because a lot of news stories that I see recently, it really focus on invoking the anger 
in the audience and that might not be true information that might just be some headlines that people put in order to have more clicks so if if you are interested or anyone's interested in career in journalism definitely look into the biases that the media have and what kind of ideologies that each media outlet that you are having that that you are consuming have and trying to diversify your intake of media just trying to keep your opinion as um unbiased as possible it would be my advice right that's that's actually it contrasts a lot of what people tell me is like journalism is for everyone journalists like anyone can do it. it's really easy but what you have to say is actually amazing advice and I, you know i really appreciate that you shared that and uh, yeah for sure journalism is something that you need to be unbiased about and if you're looking towards getting into this field we do hold live workshops every friday at the libertas tribune so for those who are listening if you are interested in learning unbiased um humanitarian journalism political journalism whatever it might be we're going to help you out with that so thank you lee for that advice and now can we start heading towards uh the sex ed curriculum when you first started doing your research for that march for our education how did you start with your friends um it was it all started with just a phone call <laughs> from from my friends saying that did you receive this news um that the government backtracked the decision and i said yes and i disagree with that and they just say you know what let's let's do a rally and um and just encourage people because i see a lot of students who are having the same opinion with us and that was how it all started um and the way that i researched about the the different opinions around the sex ed curriculum is that i look into the current sex ed curriculum that we have which was the one in 2014 comparing to the one in 1998 and i compare the differences um and i acknowledge the pros and cons of each of those versions so for example the updated 2014 sex ed curriculum we do have a lot of information in terms of consent lgbtq marriage cyberbullying but there were debates about the timeline of when the students should learn about some specific information so for example at the age of 6 which is in grade 1 students were um students were able to learn about different body parts and how to alert to the adults what body part that someone may violate from you and some when for some people it is too early in their opinion right. and for some people from um different religious backgrounds they they might be offended and they might say that um hey this is a conversation that only parents or religious leaders should have for the children and the government is um trying to have too much details into that or some of the information that the government has in the curriculum might not um correlate with the religious beliefs that people have so that was the cons of the updated sex ed curriculum in 2014 and comparing to the one in 1998 instead of having um debatable timelines about different content they just don't have the content at all <laughs> mm-hmm. so so i did the 
did the comparisons of pros and cons and I came up with the decision that, you know what, even though the the one in 2014 might have details and might have the time that people don't support, but those information are very important for students to have, regardless of the background. And at the same time, sex ed curriculum is, is not mandatory. So if the students are not comfortable taking it, if the parents are not comfortable having their children taking it, then leave that opportunity for the students. But it's good to have. So that's why we try to communicate that information into our rally. And we also encourage people to not spread the fake news um, of the of different um, rumors that people have for the information that the sex ed curriculums of the two years. Right. Yeah, and, and that definitely ties back in with the journalism and the fake news and actually being unbiased. And that's amazing that you actually researched both of them, um, unbiased, and you looked at the pros and cons of each. So that, that that's definitely something people should take away from this this episode is that Really, anything you approach, whether that's research, whether that's communication, listening, be unbiased and make sure you open your perspectives and um, you're really just honing in every information possible and and just don't be biased. Uh, So thank you so much, Lee, for that. Um, Now, you've decided to pursue a Bachelor's of Arts in Political Science and Communication, and I can see why, Uh, but our audience will uh, will, uh, will be, will you be letting... um, Will you be willing to tell us why you chose communications as well? Because uh, we know that it's a quite contrasting double major in in some ways, but um, and communication is a rather new major. So can you tell us why? Thank you. Yes, that is definitely a good question. Um, I originally just had a major in political science, Mm -hmm. um, but last year I did add another major in communications as well. That is really interesting because I didn't have a second thought in why I had communications as a major because I just look at the course list and I feel um, I feel very intrigued and I would love to learn more from it. Mm-hmm. So I can only speak on my experience at University of Ottawa and what courses that they offer and why I take communications in my university. Um, so for our communications program, there are a lot of specialized courses in terms of digital humanities, social media, and um, media production in general, which is very specific. And it really has that hands-on experience, um, especially during this age of technology. Everyone is on social media in one platform or another. And because of the communication courses that I was able to learn from content creating or video editing, graphic design, it really helped me with my political career in the future because if I don't have a good social media performance, that would not be beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is the way that communications and political science really merge into each other as well. Apart from of the digital media courses that my university offered, there are also courses on public speaking and nonverbal communication, which is also very beneficial for people who have a career or who are interested in career in politics like me, because Mm -hmm. there would definitely be public events that they have to attend and there will be rallies that they have to speak in front of thousands of people. 
because of that and um because of that communications and political science we really it really go hand in hand mm-hmm. and the and another reason why that i pick communications is it's just to diversify what i can do in the future like you said i am very interested in journalism and a career in policy and politics mm-hmm. um so i haven't figured out what i want to do in the future yet but having a degree in communications really broadened up my experience and it really leaves many door open for me so that's why thank you thank you for that information so if if this really um sounds interesting to any of you guys i would highly recommend you check out communications it was actually something that i checked out myself too for a while um but decided that i would more like like political science than neuroscience but that's a really uh, that's really good advice for those who are listening and now we're going to be headed into your work with refugees because i really just love the work you've been doing and you've been a member of the board of advisors for immigration refugees and citizenship in canada what is some of the work you've done on like a daily basis. So our board um does not do work on a daily basis, but we do have monthly meetings um to catch up on our findings and we have representatives from all provinces and territories across Canada. Um I think we have quite a few from Ontario, which is the province that I live in. because of the fact that Ontario has the highest population across Canada. So, our project that we're working right now is we are looking at unemployment rate among immigrant and refugee youth in Canada and also for international students as well. And we survey the students and we go to different organizations that support young newcomers and we promote that survey. And we just want to see um what kind of services that students are aware that the government of Canada is having to support them on their job search journey right. and um what kind of services that they have used when did they use those services are they employed why are they not employed or why are they employed um and we just trying to break down those data and we try to see if um language barriers or cultural barriers or the lack of fundings and resources are the reasons why that young newcomers do not have that high employment rate comparing to their Canadian peers. Mm-hmm. Um we're still in the process of analyzing the data and finalizing the the document. So I cannot tell you a lot about um the findings yet, but we definitely would be release that by the end of the year. So definitely something to check out if you're interested in um immigrants and refugee issues or just to support youth in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually amazing and it does tie back in with what you talked about really earlier about um how resources are really important for students and newcomers and immigrants. So um I love how you kind of have a theme here and you're tracked on really just giving resources to absolutely anyone in an unbiased way. Uh so what do you ha- advise to have for someone who's looking to become active especially in their own government standing? Uh what are some steps you'd encourage? I would say for people who are interested in career in politics or working in policy, trying to diversify your experience especially when you're a student. I have had students who have very specific interests they have in mind and they came up to me and say hey i am interested in for example um law 
and supporting this specific population? Do you have any organizations that specifically support that? And what I would like to say is that when it comes to public service and policy, everything relates to each other, regardless of you knowing that or not. For example, my work in law and um, immigrants and refugees, maybe people can only think of IRCC as the prominent organization that support immigrants and refugees and work with the government of Canada in terms of policy. But if you expand that, there are a lot of organizations that directly or indirectly support people. So for example, support groups, nonprofit organizations, or you can just do some research about global public health. That also in that also um, have a large impact on the immigrant and refugees population as well. Mm-hmm. Economic research, immigration, immigrants and refugees do have um, do have an impact on that. Right. There are so many ways that you can get involved and get involved in the corporate world as well because there are a, there's a big difference in working in business corporate environment comparing to working in um, public policy and public services. Make sure that you have experienced everything before you saying that I am interested in this specific issue. Um, And trying to give it all in all of your experiences. I have a lot of students who, in in my personal observations, I see them just didn't give their 100% in some of the jobs that they think are just stepping stone for their goal. Right. I hope that makes some sense. For yeah. example, administrative assistant. That might not be a career as a legal clerk, for example. So they didn't give the 100%. But if you don't give that 100% at the beginning, you will lose so much of the skills that you were able to learn the connections that you might have and just abilities for time management of the of the skills and of the abilities that you might be able to get but you just didn't try your best to get it mm-hmm. so try to give it all in every step of the way and try to experience everything say yes to opportunities don't be afraid to reach out to um, the cool people that you might find on LinkedIn and ask for their advice because so many of them are willing to help and that might be some very valuable resources for you in the future right that's that's definitely true um so for those stepping stone positions that you might uh, apply to and you might get accepted to don't um underestimate them you get a lot of skills you can get a lot of network and a lot of you know basic interpersonal skills like journalism or communications um so it's important that you give uh, just like lisa that 100 percent so thank you so much for that, Lee. Um, also, how is it like being a mentor from the YMCA Newcomer Youth Leadership Development Program for Immigrants and Refugees? It was one of the best experiences that I've ever had. Um, so background information about me, I was actually an immigrant myself, and I actually have gone through services provided by the YMCA. Um, and after one year of me receiving their services and their support, I volunteered to be a mentor for other youth that are coming into the program as well. And I ended up volunteering for the YMCA for newcomer youth through various of their programs in one way or another for three years. Um, it was a really profound experience because I have had a 
a ton of great friendship and a lot of great um, resources and just recommendations from people. And it's, it's basically just, it, it teaches me a lot about getting to know with people. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, just getting to know with people, knowing about their background and the fact about working with immigrants and refugees that you are interacting with people from so many different cultural and religious backgrounds. There are so much to learn about their country and so much that you can also promote about your your culture and belief. It is a great hub for people to just get together and just support one another. And it was amazing. I still have friends that I communicate on a daily, weekly basis through that program, even though I, I left it about two years ago. So I really encourage for anyone who are interested in just supporting youth or supporting immigrants and refugees, volunteering for an organization that support your interest and you will learn so much. Right. And um, definitely YMCA holds a lot. They house a lot of programs like these, several of them that might be in your interest. So definitely check out that page. I will link it down below for you guys. Um, so Lee, what kind of work are you currently doing besides the uh, being an advisory on the board? Um, for my university, University of Ottawa, I am currently the campaigns coordinator for my university um, student union as well. So it was USU, University of Ottawa Student Union. My work as a campaign coordinator is that I facilitate different advocacy campaigns on campus. And I am the communication bridge between the executive team and the marketing team. I what I would do is that I would sit down with the executive team and we would brainstorm the best way to deliver the campaign to the student body. How do we mobilize the student population and get them to be engaged in our campaign? What is the best way to reach out to different politicians and um, how to reach out to school administration to advocate for change? And just how do we present ourselves on our social media and websites to um, to have that good representation to the student community. So I take the idea that the executive have, and I would, I would brainstorm with them and I would give them advice on the best way to organize events and the best way to promote on our social media to maximize the impact of those campaigns. Wow, that's amazing work that you've been doing uh, with your university as well as the board. Um, I really appreciate that you've been, uh, you took out your time to be with us today for a whole um, full hour with us. So I actually wanted to ask uh, before we wrap up the show, is there anything else that you'd like to add or any advice for the listeners? Definitely reach out to me. Um, Alia, if you can link down below my LinkedIn profile or my Instagram profile, um, definitely reach out to me. Um, I create my LinkedIn account and my Instagram account for the sole purpose of helping people and I don't charge any of my services. I have a lot of database, a lot of templates for students who are interested in um, just money management or job job search and resume writing skills. Um, And that goes along for any, any individual that you want to get to know on LinkedIn or in in real life, wherever you um, wherever you cross path with, if you find that they are cool, 
maybe just look at them on a subway or something. Don't be afraid to go and say hi. You will never know how those connections might lead to in the future. And definitely. Right. Of course. Thank you so much. I will definitely link everything that Lee has said and suggested down below, as well as her LinkedIn and her social media and the adulting blog.、Um, thank you so much, Lee. I really appreciated having you on the podcast with us,、um, and I hope you have a wonderful day. And for those who are listening,、um, again, please check out what's linked below and、um, stay tuned for more. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.、Mm-hmm.